just when you thought it was safe to go onto iTunes. This is Next Level Guy. The only website that makes self-development as fun as going to the movies. It's time to take the red pill and escape the Matrix. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Next Level Guy Show podcast. Today's guest is Pete Rubbish. Pete is a passionate powerlifter who is a 242 pound competitive raw powerlifter with his best total being 2,028 pounds at a body weight of 240 pounds. Pete is an inspiration to me and his form videos have caused massive improvements in my own lifts. In this interview we discuss how to find your inner motivation and intensity and go from being a beginner to a great in the gym. But first a quick word about our affiliate partnerships. Next Level Guy is in partnership with some awesome companies. To see the latest deals, special offers and listener exclusives, please go to www.nextlevelguy.com forward slash affiliates. That's www.nextlevelguy.com forward slash affiliates. And now to the interview. So thank you very much for taking the time to do this, Pete. I know you're a really busy guy. I really appreciate it. For those people who don't know who you are, can you go into a little bit about who you are and what you're famous for? Yeah, I've been training slash competing for about 11 years now. It actually marked 11 years in April that I've been training. So I got into powerlifting as far as competing when I was 17 years old, and I've been competing ever since. Um, my best lifts in competition are a 766-pound squat um, in knee sleeves, I have benched 446 pounds, and then I have deadlifted 871 pounds, and I compete in the 242, 110 kilo weight class, and I just love competing. I basically developed a following when I was um, posting up videos on YouTube, and then it kind of ran from there. Like People started seeing my YouTube videos, and they, they enjoyed seeing me going crazy in my basement and everything, and the following sort of developed around that and then it's really just taken off yeah, for a long while yeah i mean because that's what i just um you were deadlifting in front of a washing machine but can you go a little bit back before then do you have brothers and sisters you know where were you raised etc yeah so i grew up in cambridge wisconsin which it's a really small town about a thousand people nothing really to do i went to a school with like 300 people in high school and I grew up there for most of my life. Um, kind of kept to myself throughout my childhood. I had friends up until probably high school, and then I kind of was like a loner. I did my own thing. Uh, just I would go home after school, and I would train in my basement. And I never went out. I never partied or anything like that. Uh, I think it was like I think I was 20 years old when I had my first uh, sip of alcohol. To put things into perspective, so I just. I was pretty sheltered as far as that. I just didn't really want to go out or do anything like that. I enjoyed training. Uh, I had big dreams as far as what I would achieve and where I would get to, and those have kind of come to fruition. But grew up there, and then I attended college for a little while at the University of Wisconsin in Madison, Wisconsin, which it was like going to the big city for me because Madison has about 250,000 people, which is quite a contrast from when you grow up in a place with 1,000. So I, I attended there for a little bit. And I, my heart was never really in it. I didn't want to, like, go to school any longer. I, I didn't have any passion for anything like that. So 
It was actually about after two years that I just dropped out and went my own way, started my own business, training people, competing full-time, training full-time, and uh, I've, been, I've been all over the map. Um, <laughs> I've had my good periods and my bad periods. Lived in Lexington, Kentucky for a year, then I moved down here to Knoxville, Tennessee, and um, then about last July, I actually moved a little closer to the gym here in Oak Ridge, Tennessee. So I've been all over the map the last few years, but I think I'm settled here in Tennessee and I enjoy it. And do you ever regret that approach? I mean, do you wish you had done something else or has working out and coaching, has that always been a sort of dream of yours from a kid? Yeah, I knew I always wanted to do something along the lines of personal training because that's that's just what I saw my passion with like I enjoyed training so I knew I would enjoy training other people the only regret I really have with that is honestly I wish I hadn't gone to college at all in the first place if I'm being perfectly honest I wish I had skipped that two years as far as the the money and time spent on that and just gotten straight into this because I just knew all along my heart wasn't in that and I was more just trying to appease my parents but it wasn't going to work out I had no passion for that. And if you don't have any passion for something, then you're not going to go very far. Like, I didn't want to be an accountant or anything like that. It just wasn't my desire. I mean, that's very similar to the approach my brother has. He has two degrees, and he said he wished he'd start his own business straight away. You know, he wished he had never bothered going to university because it was wasted years. He loves what he's doing now. And I think when you find your passion, you've just got to go for it. Um, I mean, you're known as being a great guy, you know, the intensity and the passion, the desire, etc. What do you think makes a good guy? You know, what is what makes a good man, in your opinion? Well, I would say you have to be somewhat humble. I think that's pretty a pretty big part of it, because every time I've started to veer towards the other side and gotten a little arrogant, something always brings you back down. Like, there's always a situation that will humble you as soon as you start thinking... Uh, too highly of yourself for thinking that you've got it made and I even look at this latest thing I uh, I was told like a month ago that I had a herniated disc in my back and so that kind of got me down and set me back a little bit but I took it for what it was and I'm rehabbing it I feel great and I'm honestly like getting stronger than I've ever been so it's just those moments those things like that whether it's that whether it's a failed relationship or something those moments will humble you, so you have to almost try to be humble regardless of whether things are going good or bad. I'd say that's the first thing. Um, just life experiences. We've all been through tough times, and the tough times are what make you, more or less. It's easy to like. It's easy when things are going well to be enjoying life and everything. everything's going smoothly, but when something happens that's bad, that's what really determines whether you move on and you become a better man, you evolve to that next level, or whether you get stuck in the in the mud and don't go anywhere with your life. And, I mean, is is that what got you into powerlifting originally? Was it trying to deal with, like, the bad things that were happening and deal with, like, you know, the angst and stuff? Or, you know, what, what motivated you into that, um, into powerlifting? Was it something bad, or did you just enjoy it from, say, physical education classes or something like that? I think it was more... I think it was more the latter, as far as, like, I really enjoyed it. Like, I tried out every sport that there was. I tried out 
American football. I, I played a little soccer, what you guys call football over there for a little while. <laughs> Tried basketball, uh, mixed martial arts, baseball, everything, track. But this is what I loved. I loved lifting heavy. And the other thing I loved about it was that it was an individual thing, an individual pursuit that I could do alone. And I kind of always had a chip on my shoulder growing up where I wanted to prove to everybody that I was going to be something and that I was going to do something with my life. And so all through high school, I just had this big chip on my shoulder where I was kind of outcast and I didn't like fit in with anybody per se. I never got bullied because I was bigger and I lifted, but I just didn't feel like I belonged anywhere with any of those people and what they were doing as far as like the, the partying and the going out and hanging out. So I had this chip on my shoulder through that and that fueled me along and it, uh, it almost made me angry. It like gave me this anger where I just wanted to train like an animal and just prove something to everybody. And do you think that's something that, you know, a lot of us are facing now? It's that, you know, not, we don't fit in, but we kind of medicate it with drink and drugs and, you know, watching TV. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people are like that. Like right now, I don't even own a TV. A I haven't had a TV in two years. That's a good choice. Just, yeah, I, I keep it pretty basic around here. I barely have any furniture. My living room is completely empty. I have uh, a desk, a work chair, a dresser. That's about it. Um, a bed. You know, I just I keep it simple. But I think a lot of people can relate to this because. They feel kind of that same way, whether not even, not even like as far as drinking and partying and doing all that. I think everybody has their own unique story and everybody has their own challenges, and so we see all the the highlights of everybody else's life and think everybody else has it so much better, and everything's going smoothly for them when it's really not. So that makes us feel out of place, and that makes people want to turn to something that they can find consistency with security and that's training training's always there training is something that you can always control so that's why i think a lot of people love it the same way i do i mean it's it's definitely something that i enjoy and i find if i don't train it really affects me sort of mentally emotionally etc you know um can you give an example i mean do you have such a thing as a normal day do you set your training up for weeks or months you know what would a typical training session or week look for you it tends to change it tends to be uh a little varied right now because i am dealing with this herniated herniated disc in my back so right now i'm actually I'm, i'll go to the chiropractor every other day so basically three days a week i'm in the chiropractor for an hour he's adjusting me he's uh doing electro stim on me he's doing decompression on my spine, basically pulling my spine apart. So I do that, and then I stretch for about 30 to 40 minutes a day, five days a week. So that's all like the maintenance, the prehab slash rehab work to keep my body healthy. And then right now I'm doing two back days a week where each day starts off with 10 sets of pull-ups and then a lot of lat work after that. And then I'm just basically going up 90 pounds at a time, 40 kilos on my deadlifts right now, two days a week, trying to ease back with that. And then I do a bench day every five days. 
So bench I do every five days because I find I'm the most rested and recovered if I wait five days in between. So it's kind of, it's a little different than how I would normally approach it given the injury. But this is just what I have to do to come back and make things work right now. I like how you consider, you know, easing back into it, jumping 40 kilos on the deadlift, you know. Uh, yeah, it's just, it's weird, but I know it sounds kind of phony, but, like, I'm still planning to compete in 16, or I guess now 15 weeks. So I can't completely just, like, not lift the deadlift or squat for a while. Um Right now, I'm doing a lot of belt squats, actually, because it loads the hips rather than the spine. And is this, what do you do this at your local gym, or are you doing a lot of this at home gym? Because I noticed you do a lot of stuff at home when you were, you know, when you became famous, but now you, you tend to, I see a lot more of stuff at a gym. You know, do you tend to train between the two of them, or are you more at the gym now? Yeah, so I trained at my home gym for probably five years. And that was, that was the gym in my parents' basement when I was living with them back in Wisconsin. But I actually pretty much moved here to Oak Ridge, Tennessee for the gym here. It was a gym that I trained at once, and I loved it, and it had everything that I needed as far as, like, dumbbells up to 90 kilos, things like that, just everything you could imagine. So I moved here for this gym, and I train now at Maxed Out Gym full-time. But it's the best gym I've ever trained at. So see if somebody listening was like, okay, that's inspiring. I want to start you know, going for those kind of lifts or I want to start getting better in the gym. What would you advise a complete newbie? Like, you know, what should they look for in a gym? What's the, the, the set criteria that you will not accept unless it's there? Well, I think the gym has to allow chalk first and foremost. And if they don't, that's a really bad sign. You want to look for good barbells, first of all. I mean, you want top-of-the-line barbells. That's going to tell you how serious the gym owner is about seeing good progress and having serious clientele. So good bars and a gym that allows chalk. Those are the two biggest things. After that, I would probably look for good benches. You want a good quality bench. A lot of commercial gyms have a very narrow pad on the bench. It's very slippery, and you cannot get a proper arch on those. You can't. They're not good for your shoulders. So those are kind of the three main things. If your gym has a good bench, has good bars, and allows chalk, you're probably going to be in okay shape. Because you can always get a good, you know, get the good playlist going, get the earphones on and just zone out. And do you tend to work out on your own, or do you work out as part of a team? I noticed yeah. you do a lot with um, with your partner. I mean, is that just something like you both like doing, or do you just tra- tend to train the majority of the time alone? Yeah, uh, I tend to train the majority of the time alone. Like, I never link up with anybody as far as planning my training sessions because what I do is very individualized to what I need to work on as far as injuries or just the lifts that work for me. And then uh, as far as, like, with my girlfriend... I'll usually help her out. I'll spot her and everything before I train, and then I will train right after her. So that's kind of how we do that. And when you're like, you know, when you're considering like a gym and like you know planning your training and like your, you know, when you do your coaching, what, how would you advise a complete newbie? They've never worked out apart from you know just messing around in the gym, but they want to get into powerlifting. 
how would you start setting them up a program you know is it you hear this three sets of ten malarkey the whole time and it's just pointless so how can somebody brand new to the gym how can they get good fast is there a set principles you have for them well i think what i would do i actually have a client who he's 15 years old and he's just getting into it and what i started him out with i've got two bench days a week with him and then i have two lower body days one deadlift day and one squat day so i really like the four day a week split i kind of gravitate towards that and find it works the best for most people and basically we will start lower with the weight essentially it's it's somewhat linear as far as start low build up over the course of eight to twelve weeks and then at the end you're down to one rep or so and you test your lifts and i'll do a progression like that there's a few staple movements that i like to do with just about everybody like i really believe in dumbbell benching and then i really believe in the 45 degree barbell back extension for everybody so i'll incorporate movements like that but it's pretty simple as far as i like two bench days a squat day and a deadlift day and i mean do you see a lot of mistakes with other coaches and trainers or you know what's the standard issues that you have with other coaches because there's a lot of shady pt shall we say well the biggest thing i run into i don't know what everybody else is doing so to speak and i don't think most people's issue is how the programming is structured i think a lot of different programs can work and i never hear complaints from other individuals about programming my most often heard complaint about other coaches is the lack of communication so it's not even that people have a problem with what they're doing people just can't get a hold of someone like that or they're not getting um, consistent response to, responses so just staying in communication with the client is the biggest issue and if most people simply did that and made an effort to do a good job I think they'd be fine but what I'm seeing with a lot of coaches is they just don't communicate they'll, they'll give them a program up front and then fall off the face of the earth do you set like how do you work out the goals and the ambitions for the client do you think there's set criteria that the average person should be able to achieve like double year body weight deadlift that sort of thing or is it too unique to the person i would say it's too unique as far as everybody has so many different criterias of um how they're built how much free time they have to train the the stress of their job it's just all the if they have kids or not all these factors play a role in how much progress they're going to make. Occasionally I will have people come to me with uh, very, very ambitious goals and I have to straight up tell them like that's probably not going to happen in that time frame. I think what people often overestimate uh, or underestimate I should say the time frame that they can achieve their goals and I even do it sometimes myself. I will make an ambitious goal and instead of it taking me the three months I wanted it to take me it'll take me two years it's just that's the nature of the game so it's it's human nature for us to overshoot our goals but oftentimes they just don't come that quick about you seem to be achieving your goals um i think the latest one i read was a thousand and five pound deadlift you're currently chasing yeah i wanted to do that but here's goes uh goes in perfectly 
with what we just said. Like, I think I was trying to achieve that back before November, and here we are in May. So, and I'm not even close. Like, I had the injury. I uh, I've pulled 920 pounds. I had 945 pounds off the ground before the plates fell off, but I still have a long ways to go to get the, get back to that point and then get to a thousand. So that could very well take another few years, but that's just an example of how that works. I love that, you know, just listening to you, I can hear that I only had 920 on the bar. I only, you know, I can feel that motivation and the, the intensity and the drive to get to that level. And I'm sure it's coming soon because every time I see a video of yours, you know, you're just killing the weights and you're really going and pushing the intensity. You know, where does that come from? Do you fire yourself up by thinking about bad things? Do you, you know, how can somebody find that bit inside them that pushes them through these, like, really tough lifts or PR attempts? Yeah. I used to think about negative things and get angry and everything like that, but I don't do that anymore. Um, I really, <laughs> I don't have that much to be angry about, so I can't summon that uh, that kind of anger, but now... I just basically get fired up based on my goals. Like I'm just internally motivated to hit these goals. And I'm not going to lie. There are times where I go through certain periods where my motivation is lacking. And I would say the last four or five months, it's been that way up until a few weeks ago. It was as if finding out about the injury motivated me again. And now I'm ready to get back at it and I'm more motivated than ever. But prior to that, there was like a four to five month period where I just wasn't feeling that into lifting I'd kind of go in and it just things weren't there um, so there's periods where it's good and there's periods where it's bad and I think it's normal for it to be cyclical where you're going to feel that way because the year before that I set PRs at four straight meets my total went up 200 pounds in a year so it's just it's normal to kind of have a down a downward time after the uh, the success life is peaks and valleys so you got to take it as it comes. And how did you come back from that? Because I had a recent injury, and that was something that I haven't been able to get back to the gym for a wee while yet, and it's it's how do you get back into it after you've sort of fallen out of love with it? You know, if somebody's listening who was maybe fit or wants to get back into shape, how can they get back in love with the gym? You know, how can you reignite that passion? Like, how did you manage it? For me, the, the big turning point was I found out what the problem was. So I was missing quite a few deadlifts where my speed wasn't there off the floor and my power, and I couldn't figure out why. And so once I was told I had this herniated disc, it gave me a pathway to actively treat it. Like I knew what I needed to do now to treat this injury aggressively and come back strong. So now I, I have this, this solution in place where I'm going to the chiropractor three days a week, where I'm stretching my body and getting myself moving the best that I can, and then I'm easing back into things and targeting my weak points. So it's like once I had the plan in place, I was good to go. But the first step is you have to lay the plan out for what you're going to do to get back on track and what's going to be motivating and work for you. That makes perfect sense. Um, It's something I just need to kind of... Think I need to figure out, like you're saying, you'll find out what the problem was because we all have underlying issues about why we do things, and I think it's just you need to take the step back to, to analyze it. 
Um, can you go into a little bit about, I mean, we see you do some amazing lifts, but can you tell me about your what you consider your biggest training failure and what you learned from it and like how it shaped, how, how you approached it? My biggest training failure? Well, I mean, is, is it something that you've maybe done, like you've missed a competition or is it just your approach to things or your motivation? You know, what are you, what's the biggest learning experience that you've had oh. from lifting? Well, I think, honestly, um, I partially tore my hip labrum four, I think it was four or five years ago, and then that coupled with this recent herniated disc injury in my back, it just makes you rethink the whole mobility aspect of training and taking care of your body, and it's made it so I'm, I'm doing a lot more stretching and mobility work and going to the chiropractor and doing these preventative things so that I can hopefully avoid um, more injuries and more serious injuries down the line. So when you're new to the sport, you often just want to lift the weight and not do all the other stuff, the maintenance work. But the injuries are often what bring that out where you realize you can't just ignore that stuff and you have to take care of your body. So for me, all the injuries that I've had, those are what woke me up as far as I need to do this to prevent anything bad like that happening again. I mean, it's something that I I missed for a while, and I've ended up with a very sort of tight shoulder, and you know, and um, I've had other issues with some with my lower back, etc. How can people avoid those things? You know, is it a case of just you know using lacrosse balls and yoga and massages? How how do you recover from? Because you do some amazingly heavy weights. How how do you recover? You know, like what's your eating and your sleeping, and how, you know how do you relax afterwards? Yeah, I tend to sleep eight hours a night, so that definitely plays a role, and that's never been a problem. But I think people skip the stretching, and I think people don't take enough time between training sessions. I think people train with too high of a frequency, and they train when their body doesn't feel ready to train. So I like to tell my clients, I'm like, just because I put down for your training to be on these specific days doesn't mean you can't push one of the training sessions back a day or two if you're not feeling very well or if you don't feel recovered. So I think you have to listen to your body as far as if your body's, if your back is sore, don't go on a deadlift, you know. It's just you have to be smart about it. And that's a big problem that a lot of people won't do. Yeah, I mean, it's something even um, each of us face is that moment of you, you know, you, you have the internal voice and it says you're being lazy, you're chickening out when your body's giving you that sign that, you know, give me another rest day, I need it. Because um, people tend to go too quickly into things and they burn out. How do you, you know, how did you keep being consistent after all these years? And is it just set a goal, reach it? And go for another one, or you know, how can we keep that consistency going to the gym and pushing for better and better? Yeah, that's one reason why I think it's better to not be in the gym all the time because you will burn out quicker. I think if you give your body enough time between the training sessions, you're going to come in very motivated because you haven't been able to train that lift in a while, and it's going to keep you wanting to come back. You're going to feel more fresh and less chance of injuries. So. There's a lot, a lot of positives to actually training less, in my opinion. Um, but along with that, 
I think you have to accept that there are going to be those down periods where you're not going to feel especially great about your training or your lifts, and you just got to kind of ride the wave and know that that time will pass. It just it, I don't know why it works like that, but that's a very um, it's very parallel to how life works as far as life has its ups and downs. So know that the bad days will come and just keep pushing. And is that something you allow yourself to do? I mean, do you reschedule gym sessions or is that something you maybe just allow for your clients? Yeah, if I'm not feeling good either, you know, I'll head home and try to do it another day. And like I said, the last few months, I just, my head wasn't in it. And I accepted that. I wasn't happy about it, but I accepted that I was going through a little period where I needed to shift my focus elsewhere for a little bit. And now I'm shifting my focus back to training more and I'm feeling great and I feel refreshed. And so it is okay to have those, those down periods where you, you focus on something else and lifting gets put on the back burner. That's really going to help you out in the long run because you got to look at it like you want to do this for 20 years rather than just looking at the, the immediate um, thing in front of you. I mean, I know people say that, um, like, the squat, for instance, it's a good um, it's a good indicator of life. You know, you get a lot of weight on your shoulders. It pushes you down, and you have to push yourself back up. Um, how, Where do you get the motivation that, you know, when you're fighting through a heavy lift, um, maybe it's not a PR attempt, um, but, you know, where does this rage and intensity come from? If if you haven't got anything bad in your life to really focus on to push you know to get the anger, how can somebody push through it when the t- is going to get tough in that last few seconds of a lift? Yeah, that's a good question because that's so internal. It's almost hard to put into words. Mm. It it makes me think about it myself. Because um, I, st- it's like yesterday. Sorry, I, I mean I, I struggle with it, and that's why when I look at you, I thought I want to do that. I want to know what he's doing because it's so goddamn good, you know. I guess it is like if if I'm if I'm picturing right now that I want to pull 930 pounds, which would be a, a 10 pound PR, and that's my goal, and that's what I'm working towards, and how would I feel before that lift? I think it would be. The motivation as far as proving to people that just because I got injured, I'm not done. I'm still here. Uh, I came back, proved to myself that I can come back from an injury and know that I still have it and I'm, I'm never going anywhere. I think that's what would motivate me the most. And then just the feeling of power that you feel when you pick up something like that, it, it's, it's like the most addicting feeling in the world. Like, you just, you want it no matter what. You want to feel that power. And it's a funny feeling when the weight gets really heavy and you just destroy it. It almost feels like it's weightless. Like, when I when I was lifting that day and I pulled the 920, everything was perfect. Everything felt like it was an empty bar. I can't put it into words. The form felt perfect. Everything was on point. Because we have those lifts where, you know, you know it's going up before you've even tried it, and then you know other sessions when it's just not going anywhere. Yeah. And do you change how you do things for a, a, you know, a personal record attempt? Do you have a set pattern that you do these things, or is it more just a case of a build-up to 12 weeks, give it a go, exactly the same as normal, and just see if I get it? Or, you know, 
is there a ritual that goes on in your head, like a certain foot first, then a certain way of doing things? Or, you know, are you superstitious in that kind of way? No, I'm not superstitious in that manner. I just basically lay out the game plan, follow it for a period of 8 to 12 weeks, and then try to see it come to fruition. But I never have, like, a set pattern with any of that. It's just um, it's a matter of putting in the work, and then what will happen is the positive momentum of one week will go into another week, and all of a sudden you'll have a snowball effect where the positive momentum builds. And it just comes from there. You just have to let one good training session lead to another, and pretty soon they add up, and that's what leads to the PRs. And is that what you do for, say, like for a competition? You just assume, you know, you take that date and work back 12 weeks. Um, Can you tell me a little bit about, like, you know, people who you've coached and stuff like that? Have you seen, like, some amazing transformations in the people in their you know, in their physiques and in their own private um, sort of private lives? It was a seven-hour drive south this past weekend. I had two clients competing, and one of them, he trains at my old gym when I was living in Lexington, Kentucky, and I've been working with him for two years now. And when we started out, he was 165 pounds, and now he's 198 pounds he competes at. When we started out, he was squatting and deadlifting uh, 275 pounds, 125 kilos. And this weekend, he squatted 567 pounds in these sleeves, and he deadlifted 644. So he's come a long ways, and his bench was 352. I think he was benching before that, like 225, I want to say, when we started out. So that's just an example of a guy who's gotten a lot bigger, and he's uh, we've seen some great progress with him. And I've worked with probably half my guys are natural lifters, and then ha- half of them are enhanced. So I get a good mix with that. And do you find, you know, is there limits on what people can do? You know, like say if somebody's completely natural and they're wanting to lift, um, you know, can anybody get to these kind of levels, or is it okay? You know, or do we give up too soon? Do we mentally give up before the body's willing to give up? Well, the biggest thing that's made me question what's what's achievable naturally is I'm seeing all these uh, IPF lifters now just putting up insane totals and insane lifts, and these are lifts that I never in a million years would have thought were possible natural let alone these are lifts that would blow your mind if they were on things. So seeing like Ray Williams squatting, it was like 1,065 or something like that in knee sleeves, and um, Dennis Cornelius and some of these other IPF lifters, I'm just, it blows my mind. So I really think maybe we do short ourselves because what I'm seeing nowadays is incredible. Yeah, because we have so many excuses, you know, it's immediately, it's, oh, I haven't got the time to eat, I haven't got the time to do this, I haven't got the time to do that, but everybody gets the same 24 hours, and it was the kind of, starting this podcast, it really gave me the kick up the arse I needed, because I was listening to greats like yourself, you know, who are just saying, you know, we all make it so complicated, you were just going, yep, I just go and train, if I don't feel like it, I go on the next day, you know, and it's, you don't make it overcomplicated, you just do it. It's taking action, and I think sometimes a lot of us don't really want the goal. 
you know, we're not that desperate for it. But for somebody who, you know, is maybe a bit quite overweight and wants to lose the weight or wants to be like your friend, you know, maybe scare off a bully or something like that, you know, like get physically bigger, how can they get that mental toughness? You know, how can they keep pushing through that initial stage when it hurts like hell because, you know, your body's adapting to the change? That's where I, I honestly think it comes down to the passion for it. Because, like, a similar example would be mixed martial arts. Mixed martial arts, I did it for a few months, and it kicked my butt. It was freak, It was really tough, every aspect of it, from the cardio to people tapping me out with ease who were weighing 50 pounds less than me, um, you know, doing sparring sessions and getting having someone get the better of you. So it was very tough, and there was that, that learning curve a huge learning curve where you know you're going to take your lumps but the reason I chose to stick with training you know lifting power lifting rather than stick with that was I just found this to be more fun and it motivated me more I enjoyed the training more than I enjoyed the mixed martial arts so I don't think I could have continued with that for too long because my heart wasn't in it and so if your heart's really not in this um I don't think you're going to go very far, but obviously if someone's listening to this podcast or they've been trained for years and years, that's probably not the problem. So it's more of an internal thing when it comes to that. And how would you advise somebody, you know, to how could they find what that internal struggle is? Is there, I mean, have you had something like that that you've had to overcome? Um, I think as far as, do you mean like finding what their passion is or yeah i mean but for people who are going to the gym they feel like they really enjoy it and you know they just can't seem to push past a plateau <clears throat> is it maybe give something else a try for a while or change the training or you know the approach or is it something you have to deal with, like you speak to the client and they have to deal with it with them in themselves or you know how how do you normally approach that with somebody yeah so if somebody's having a rough time we will look at the outside factors around them and see what's going on. For instance, uh, there's a guy today, and he had squatted 405 for seven reps two weeks ago. He took a week off th- from the gym because of work, and then today he couldn't even squat 425 for one. So we looked at it, and we said, well, what was the work like? And it turned out he was working like 11-hour days for a week out in the sun. So I'm like, well, that's probably what your problem is. That really takes it out of you, so we're going to kind of have to back off and ease back into it. So you kind of have to see what factors are causing this struggle, and then if need be, you change course with different different lifts, or we'll just drop the weights down and we'll try to re-peak. Because you can't be peaked all the time, and sometimes you know you peak too early, or it's just very tough to time that. And kind of have to assess what happened and then come up with a new plan so honestly i find with people whatever motivates you is going to be your best course of action like you want to train in a manner that gets you excited to go to the gym and that's likely what will produce the best results so it's not i wouldn't overthink things a lot of times people do take almost too structured of an approach and it's best to just train however motivates you and that's what will reap the biggest rewards uh, and what's your opinion on things like you know training partners because that certainly helped me was 
getting somebody that you know that accountability to they were there they were wanting you to be there to help them like spot their bench and things like that are you a fan of training partners and you know how can somebody find a good training partner yeah i think the thing with training partners is that they're good as far as having someone to help you in the gym i uh I know some people use training partners more for the motivational aspect, and there were gyms like Westside Barbell where there'd be 10 people training at a time and everybody would push each other. But for me, I don't necessarily have training partners, but I always have people in the gym who can help me because if I'm trying to you know, do dumbbell bench with 180-pound dumbbells, I just need someone to help me get the dumbbells into place. Or if I'm benching heavy weight, I need a spotter. So for that, from that aspect of things, a training partner is a great idea because you can push yourself a little harder without having to worry about not having help if you can't get the lift. But I don't necessarily use a training partner to motivate me. I, I do enjoy training on my own, and that's how I've done it my whole life. But there certainly is merit to having someone around who can help you with spots and help you get your dumbbells into position or anything like that. And I think it's a good idea. When do you find that there's like the downside of training partners? Is it a case of that you know they like to talk or they you, you know you maybe don't push yourself as much because you're with somebody else and you let their limitations become your own or? Yeah, that's the other aspect of things where a training partner might become someone who you just socialize with and you're not as serious about your training and um, they don't show up. They're not reliable. That could be another problem. But for the most part, I think it it can help people. I think there are more positives than negatives to having a training partner. So I would recommend it for people starting out. Now, one of the big things I've noticed about you is that you really like to eat. You know, um, the animal um, big on a budget series that they did. Yours was one of the fa- my favorite ones. I've watched several times. You you have that part on your YouTube channel where you're always talking about different foods and you know stuff that you absolutely love to eat. Can you go into a little bit about your diet? You know, um, the kind of stuff that you would eat on an average day. Yeah, my diet is quite sporadic as far as I can get away with eating pretty much whatever, and I don't put on much uh, body fat. I've just always been been lucky like that as far as genetically I'm, I stayed pretty lean so I've been fortunate to be able to eat almost whatever I want throughout the years and right now my big thing I'm eating a ton of spaghetti so I'll get whole wheat pasta cook it up I'll cook up some ground beef put that on top and then I'll take some tomato sauce and pour that over the top and that's that's my big thing right now I was also making gyros for a little while and we have a we have a restaurant here in the United States where it's like you go in and they make the food in front of you and it's like a healthier place and so I would make something like that on my own but then at the same time I do enjoy my snacks you know I like fruit snacks I like lemon ice I like chips uh, chips and salsa chips and queso uh, pot pies. I enjoy all that kind of stuff, so I love to eat. It's it's probably my second passion to lifting. Yeah, I mean, I, I can't watch your channel now without 
going immediately and needing a snack or needing something to eat. It, you know, it just makes oh. me so hungry when I watch it. <laughs> so if you had to tell somebody, you know, like how to improve their diet, I mean, do you think it's BS that thing of you can't out-train a bad diet? Is it more about the person and how they're training than their diet? Or should a newbie be eating healthy and as clean as possible? You know, how can they approach the their diet when they're starting to work out? The biggest thing I've found over the years is that it doesn't have so much to do with what you're eating. It has to do with the amount you're eating. So every time I've tried to cut and I've not been eating very much, or even if I've tried to eat really healthy, but I'm still not eating very much, my strength goes way down. Whether it's it's cleaner food or whether it's unhealthier food, I just find it works best if you eat enough, plain and simple. I think a lot of people's problems are they're trying to like cut weight and get strong at the same time, and it doesn't work very well. You have to eat enough. That's the main key, no matter where it comes from, if you want to get stronger. And... How do you juggle all of this, you know, that you do a lot of promotional stuff, you coach, you do your own training, that you've, you know, you've got a partner, you've obviously got a dog, you know, how do you juggle life and having a relationship in with all the stuff that you have on? I mean, do you, is there a way that you schedule things to give yourself a break and things like that as well? Yeah, I think as far as like my relationship, it tends to work well because my girlfriend Kelly, she works at the gym, so that's how that kind of got started, and then I'm at the gym all the time, so we see each other a lot there, and I'll walk the dog like three times a day. I work from home, so I never have to put the dog up, like I never have to put the dog in a, in a cage or anything, and even when I'm gone, I let her roam around, so she's pretty happy. Um, What's her dog, is she? Pitbull. Uh, it's something I. But she doesn't eat anything around here, so. How old is she? She, she is two and a half years old. Oh, perfect age. Just coming to the the madness age, you know. Because we. Yes, um, it's a little whiny, but. No, I mean that the beauty of dogs is <laughs> they want they want to come for a run, they want to come for a walk. They're never not wanting to come with you and do stuff, and it's that motivation, and I really miss it. I moved to a city away from a family where I grew up with, like, sheep dogs and hills and stuff like that, you know. And we used to take them for three, four-hour walks, and now it's... You miss it, you know. Um, It sounds like a perfect lifestyle you have there. Um, Yeah, I love dogs. I've become a big dog person because the first uh, interaction I had with dogs was when I was with my ex. I was living with her, and she had a pit bull. So when we ended things... About a year later, I just got my new one here, Lucy, and I've had her for about seven months. But I just I feel good about it because I never have to put her away. Like, she can roam the house when I'm gone, and I'm usually home for a big part of the day, so she sees me a lot. So it's a pretty good situation for her because she never has to be boarded up or anything. And you never be sad, you know. Whenever you see a dog, you can't not be happy. They Just the cheer exactly. you have. I'm going to go into a little bit more about you as a person. 
Um, you know, I've, I could ask yeah. you thousands of questions about bracing and deadlifting forms and stuff. You know, I mean, it's been an absolute pleasure to speak to you, but I want to find out more about you because I find you such an interesting person. So what I'll do is I just fire some prompts at you, and if you just come back with whatever comes into your head. So, for instance, what's your favorite film? Favorite movie? Oh, it's tough. I don't watch enough TV. Oh, oh boy. Off the top of my head? Goodness. I can't even remember the last movie I saw, to be honest. This is why I, don't, I barely watch any TV or anything. That's why it's so hard. I, I can't give you a good answer, honestly. So how would you relax? You know, do you just sleep or do you go for like long walks or you know, if I was to say to you know, oh, um, Pete's off relaxing, what would you be doing? Well, here's the thing: I do have Netflix and I enjoy that. So I, I watched some series on there before. I watched um, the show Prison Break and I watched Breaking Bad and I found those really interesting. So I've got Netflix, which is like ten dollar uh, TV, but on your computer, but as far as movies, I man, I've it's hard to recall. I think you'd love a show called uh, Banshee. Um, it's a guy cross I can't remember his first name, and he pretend he's a convict that gets out of jail and he takes over from the sheriff when it's a case of mistaken identity. And you know he he carries on a life of being uh, the cop as well as a um, like a criminal and stealing and stuff like that. And it's called Banshee, and it's an amazing show, and it's quite gritty and real, you know. And it's I think you'd love yep, it. Yeah, that sounds right up my alley. I think you'll love it. I'll send you a link for it. Um, what's a, an unusual fact about yourself that few people would know? Well, it's actually surprising, but a lot of people don't know that when I was. I think it was 14, no, 15 years old. I uh, I ran a 26.2 mile marathon in four hours, 24 minutes. And then when I was, I think it was 17 years old, I tried to do a 50 mile race, but I didn't finish it. So I just, I tried long distance running to challenge myself when I was younger, just to see if I could do it. But I, I really hated it. The whole time, I would just force myself to run in the cold because I just wanted to see if I could do it. <laughs> that sounds like living hell to me. I just yeah, it was. It was mind numbing. I didn't enjoy any of it. And is how can you know like things like cardio? I and mean, what do you do for cardio? Cardio, I literally do nothing except walking my dog, and uh, I basically look at my training as being cardiovascular <laughs> so i don't i i don't do any uh stairs or anything like that because like i said i just stay really lean already um so i don't feel compelled to do too much cardio but another another cool random fact if people no one really knows this but i'm pretty serious nowadays about like my finances so I don't tend to buy anything except food, and then I basically save all my money. <laughs> like, I've been working on an emergency fund and uh, getting debt free and all that good stuff, and 401ks and all that. I'm just getting serious about um, securing my future, so I literally only spend money on food and pay the bills, and that's it. And every other bit of it 
goes the savings. That's a it's a good it's a good thing to do. Um, if you get time, have a look at um, Ramit Sethi's um, "I Will Teach You to Be Rich," and he shows people yeah. how to you know like make the big savings and the big things that will actually help them and get you know like a better set of four one okay and. Um, how to pay off debts and stuff like that. He has an amazing site, you know, because so many of these things they say, "Oh, count your coffee every day, and it gives it'll save you a tenner a week." Where he'll show you yeah. how to save ten grand on your mortgage, or you know, it's the lot like the major big steps. Uh, he's got an amazing site. Um, what's the favorite piece of technology that you own? It's my computer, really. I, I think that's where I spend most of my time because. That's how I get my work done. And then if I want to relax, I'll watch a sporting event on here or something like that. So that's definitely... I have a phone too, but I just basically use that to text and then film my videos of my training. And if uh, <laughs> like if you were to watch a sporting event, what would you watch? Mixed martial arts all the way. Uh, like I love watching the, all the UFC events. Have you got a favorite but, fighter or...? <sighs> Conor McGregor, to be honest. <laughs> Freaking love Conor McGregor, um, and then uh, as far as like technology and stuff, like I don't even use Facebook anymore. I just got sick of it. I just didn't want to keep up with uh, all the the negativity that got posted on there and stuff like that. So I, I haven't been on Facebook in almost a year. I was like, forget this, because <laughs> uh, it's it's amazing, isn't it? It's like they say the worst places to go to see hum- the, the bad side of humanity is social media. You know, have you ever gone into a YouTube channel's um, comments? It's just shocking. Oh, I, I can't read half of it because I just I have so many emails to answer already that I'm like I can't keep up with all the other things. So I I use Instagram. I'll put videos on there, and then I use YouTube from time to time. But I got off Facebook. I'm I'm happy about it because I just don't want to see people uh, the the bad news stories and people complaining and all that and comparing myself to people. So I I'm feel like I'm way happier without it. And what's a, a myth about training or working out that you just wish would just go away? You know, what what really annoys you every time you hear it or see it on a internet site? That everybody has to have the same form because the thing about it is everybody's built differently and no one's going to have the same form. So there is no one-size-fits-all way to lift a certain weight you know it just it doesn't work like that we're all built differently some guys have to have their hips higher on a deadlift for instance that's just the way it is so say if you were to hold a dinner party just now you had five spaces well yourself on five spaces and you could pick people who were alive or dead real or fictional but you you know this is your ideal dinner party who are you going to invite that's a good question. These are, these are all those uh, introspective c- questions that I never considered. <laughs> I would say I would probably have uh, Conor McGregor as one of them. And then, I'm trying to think here, I think I'd probably have Teddy Roosevelt because he started the national park system in the United States. And I enjoy nature and all stuff like that, so I think it'd be interesting to pick his brain as far as how he got that going and why he selected some of the places he did. 
So that's two of them. See, my life is very specific. That's why it gets interesting. I think Louis Simmons, in all honesty, the founder of Westside Barbell, because he has some crazy stories, and I just would love to hear some of that stuff about how they train and the things they've done. But outside of those three people, off the top of my head, that's really all I can think of. There's one person I can think of, Dave Ramsey. He uh, He's a financial person, and I really look up to him. But as far as, like, lifters, too, I feel like I've met a lot of the guys who I look up to when I've been around them. So it's kind of – I take it for granted, but I've seen a lot of those guys already. Uh, who's your sort of favorite lifters? Well, right now, like, Larry Williams is really awesome to watch. And I've met him a million times, it feels like. <laughs> and, like, Dan Green, I've been around him a bunch. Yuri Belkin, I've been around him a bunch. It'd be cool to meet Eddie Hall. I mean, I almost came out there this weekend for uh, Body Power, but it just wasn't going to work out. But it would have been cool to meet him too. No, oh, we'll have to get. Well, I'll have to try to see if I can work that. I mean, try to get Eddie on. You know, I just really want to speak to him about you know that five hundred pound, eh, five hundred kilogram deadlift, for example, and learn like because he just seems such an amazing guy. Um, so for anybody listening to this, um, what do you want them to take away from this interview? You know, like what's the, the key points you want people to remember about you, about training, about your worldview? I think the biggest takeaway from this, I would say, is don't get too caught up in being so specific with your training approach that you feel like you can never veer away from it. Uh, just understand that there are good times, there are bad times. There's times when you're more motivated and times when you're less motivated. And it's okay. That's the way it's going to work. If you want to be in this for the long term, you gotta you got to train in a smart manner. Don't train when your body's not ready. Um, train less rather than more as far as the frequency because you're going to be more mentally refreshed as well. But just don't be so stringent with your approach to training. Yeah, just not take it as serious and... I find that's the biggest problem for me was I just took it far too serious. I couldn't just keep it simple and, just like you say, just do it. Um, and how can people keep in touch with you? Yeah, people can... Basically, the the only reliable way to reach me is my email at... It's just prstrength1 at gmail.com. And just from the amount of emails I get I can't really keep up with uh, Facebook messages and all that sort of thing I don't get on there anymore and then Instagram direct messages I can't really keep up with those so emails the the way to go and what's your what's the goals now have you got set um, you know you were mentioned there that you're going to be competing soon is um, where can people watch you lift yeah, my next competition will be at Boss of Bosses 3, which will be in California on August 26th. And they always stream that event online, so you can watch that. But my goal, really, I just want to finally surpass a 2,100-pound total at the 242-pound weight class. So I don't care necessarily what my individual lifts look like, but I just want to break that total. And what are you sitting at just now? Well, I'm still kind of easing back into the deadlifts and squats. So right now, I'm not lifting much there. But uh, 
I have pulled 920 pounds in the gym on deadlift, squatted 766 in competition, and then just yesterday I benched 325 for 11 reps, paused with no leg drive. So I think my bench is uh, probably at 500 right now, and I'm looking forward to trying that pretty soon. Well, I think you're definitely going to smash that record pretty soon. I mean, oh, I'm ready for it. <laughs> well, it's been an absolute pleasure to speak to you, Pete. I know that um, you're a busy guy, um, and I've got so many questions I could ask, but I, I just wanted to give people who listen to this a general overview of who you are because you're such an inspiring guy. There's so much about you, and I'd love to have you on again at some point. Can you just... Um, the floor is open to you, so... Feel free to sell your coaching, you know, um, have you got any products, seminars, things like that that people can maybe check out and get in touch about? I have a seminar July 22nd, but it's in it's in Jonesboro, Arkansas, so that's a pretty specific location <laughs> for those of you who aren't in the area. I'm sure people from the UK aren't going to be able to make it to that one, but um, yeah, I just, I've been sponsored by Animal for three years now and they've treated me well. And that's about it, really. I'm just, things are going well. I'm pretty booked up as far as coaching. It's, it's, I've been fortunate. I don't really have to advertise it much. And uh, people just stick around, so well, <laughs> no complaints there. Well, you're definitely a next-level guy in terms of, like, you know, the gym and doing the kind of things that I w- I'm aiming to do myself so I can't thank you enough for you know your training form videos your motivation just for even agreeing to come on and speak to me you know it's been an absolute pleasure and I've thoroughly enjoyed it um I cannot I can't say anything but wish you all the best for the future and uh hopefully I haven't inter- inconvenienced Lucy uh, Lucy too much <laughs> but uh, no she's doing well Well, it's been an absolute pleasure. That's it for another week. Thanks for listening. Absorb it. Practice it. Use it. Until next time, keep trying to hit that next level in your life.